This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk account and drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk account, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk again, drunk again, drunk accountant. All right, Dan, how's it going? Yeah, good, Tim. Guess what we have today? What? Brewing a business. Yeah, it's been a very long time since we've done a brewing a business, actually. We've, yeah. it's, it's been a good six months since we've done a brewing a business. Mm. And so we have the very special guest with us, mm. Philip Fielinger, who uh, you may know him as a co-founder of Zero, and he's now working on a new project, which is Upstock. So, Philip, thanks for being with us. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. It's great to have you on. I'm, I'm excited to dive into, uh, into the journey that is Upstock, but also your journey and uh, and just I- explore any lessons that we can we can glean from you uh, for for all of our listeners to uh, to maybe implement into their lives and business as well. Yeah, particularly given your awesome. you give, given your zero royalty as well uh, <laughs> back from OG. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, you know, from the moment, even before it was zero, you know, so it's like pre-zero. Whoa. That's, uh, I, I want to hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, why, this, is, this, is, this is good. Why, why, why don't we start right at the beginning, Philip? Um, let's yeah. go back to h- how you started in, in your career altogether. Mm. So I know you've, you've got, you had a design background or? Yeah. Yeah. So I studied uh, design. I studied um, product design, industrial design, which, mm. you know, is like hardware stuff. But um, I was pretty crap, actually, at, <laughs> you know, building things with my hands. But I was actually really great at computers. So I'd always, like, make a presentation on, you know, a digital presentation of my work. And so um, and then I ended up doing, you know, a hybrid of that. So I was always looking for anything to do with computers and um, product design. And so I ended up taking an internship at a company called General Magic, which um, was this underground secret stealth startup out in Silicon Valley. Hmm. And it was all of the original Macintosh team from Apple. And so this is not not too long after, you know, the Mac, you know, changed the world. And so they, they'd formed a new company and um, they were working on a smartphone and this is in 1992. So what was smart about it then? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's a fast. So there's actually a uh, documentary film about it, all about it. it and um, kind of the tagline for the film is uh, the most important startup you've never heard of. <laughs> and it's because all these amazing um, founders and entrepreneurs came out of that. Um, so Tony Fidel is kind of one of the, the, the key people that um, a lot of people might know. And so he's considered the the godfather of the um ipod and then eventually the iphone yeah so, wow. you know uh, and then there was you know people the, the founder of ebay the founder of um you know uh, various other companies um you know i came out of that so it was quite wow. a interesting crucible of, of talent and but it was actually a doomed company <laughs> um and that was a really interesting lesson like that I was around these, you know, gods of, of the business and they pretty much presumed that they couldn't fail, that they were <laughs> infallible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I saw what they're working on and I was really frustrated with it. They, so the first thing that they did was sit me down and do some user testing with it. And I was just cursing and screaming and just like, 
I wasn't, you know, I wasn't playing nice. And it wasn't that I was, I was looking to be mean or anything. It was just like, I was utterly frustrated. Yeah. It, it kind of like patted me on the head and we're like, we're the gods of Silicon Valley. So you, um, you don't know what you're talking about. And then, wow. um, yeah, so it was, it was a fascinating, fascinating experience. And to see something that I knew was going to happen, like this technology was 100% going to happen. In fact, the, the way I got the internship was I designed a smartphone as a future concept. You know, that's what you do when you're in design school. You design future concepts. And so mm-hmm. I designed a smartphone. And what was really interesting was that um, this General Magic was actually a consortium of, of all these amazing technology companies and electronics, consumer electronics companies. So Sony was one of the partners in this. Oh. I actually worked really closely with the Sony team and I was like, look, I do not, I'm not, I'm not vibing with what they're building here. <laughs> you guys made the Walkman. What I want is a digital Walkman so I can mm. download any song, anytime, anywhere. Like, <laughs> and again, they were just like, mm, interesting idea. <laughs> Ignored me. But how are you download it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Using the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, so did you, you said you designed um, for one of your projects, you know, a, a futuristic smartphone. Was that before you even knew that this company existed or was that to yeah. get in, to get an internship? This, yeah, this no, is a completely separate. Yeah. 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 Wow. It was basically something I wanted. I was mm. like, I just can, I sensed that, you know, I was familiar enough with computers and technology and, Mm. you know, you could see that, you know, Sony was at the time the, the, the brand that was inventing all these technologies and they would shrink it down. And I was like, well, this computer is, you know, right now it's the size of a washing machine, Mm. but one day it's going to be this, you know, I can hold it in my hands. I know that's going to happen. Um, and so what would you do with that and what could you do with that? And so, you know, the things that I wanted to have on this device where I wanted to be able to listen to music and watch movies and and have maps to go traveling and take, uh, you know, take uh, photographs. And so it's like pretty astounding that all wow. of that came in and that it took 15 years for it to, you know, even it, it wasn't even 15 years. Like when the Apple, uh, when the, the iPhone launched, mm. you know, it still didn't have a lot of those technologies on. It had a lot of them or, you know, but mm. not. A few of them, it still didn't have. It didn't have video, for instance. And so that uh, that famous video of Steve Jobs unveiling the iPhone, saying, "You know, mm-hmm. the the iPod, the phone, your computer should all be one thing." You're like, "Yeah, I've been saying this for years." <laughs> of course, literally, literally. <laughs> about time. Yeah, it was, and it was shocking, like how long it took, like 15 mm. years. I thought it would take five years, maybe 10 years, but for it to take 15 years was you know, in an eternity, especially mm. in tech, you know, mm. time. True. So, so, yeah. so you, you've, you've saw, uh, as you said, these giants of the industry essentially fail. Uh, mm. what lesson did you take from that into the future projects that you went into? Did, did, did you have, you know, some sense of, um, you know, a, a different approach after seeing that happen or a bit more humility? Yeah, exactly. I mean, just the that arrogance and, you know, there's nothing guaranteed just because you've had a success doesn't mean your next mm-hmm. thing is going to be a success and that you can just kick back and, um, you know, cruise on with, with whatever you do next. And so that's, you know, that's actually very applicable say, to where I am Yeah, right very now. relevant yeah, right now. Yeah. 100%. yeah. So, you know, you have to, you know, 
um, it's been, you know, interesting and humbling a lot to, you know, start from nothing with a, with a startup and you're, you know, I'm at trade shows, I'm demoing, you know, product to people and, you know, you have to get back to exactly that grassroots, you know, start from the bottom up mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just, uh, hustle and work it. And I don't mean hustle like. I yeah. don't know the hustle culture hustle. I mean, you have to yeah work. You know, you have, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to work. Yeah, yeah. you're not just there like making strate- strategic decisions like yeah. here on the ground, yes. doing stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because a startup lacks resources traditionally. So I mean, everyone actually that was an interesting thing that that you know it was I, I experienced user testing for the first time. Actually, that was the first time I'd ever heard of user testing. Mm. Was when mm. I did it myself at General Magic. But they, you know, they didn't listen. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so important when, yeah, when somebody trashes you, you know, that's, they're actually doing you a huge favor. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I used to get a lot of that a lot at Zero. Like I remember at a conference one time, um, these two women came up to me and one of them was like, I love Zero. It's amazing. I love everything about it. And this other woman was like, well, here's <laughs> what I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this, this and this. And I was like, sorry, I'm so glad you love it, but you're not, I can't do anything with the information you're giving me. Mm-hmm. Well, this information about the, the problems they're having, that's very useful. And I'm going to keep having this conversation to learn about like mm-hmm. what we need to do better. And I think just having that mindset of, you know, what they call a growth mindset now, yes. um, that you're looking for, you know, that criticism and you're looking for those opportunities rather than kind of, you know, and I think that that's what I saw mm. at General Magic. They were looking for accolades and, you know, to be put on a pedestal. Mm. And mm. Uh, So I think we've, yeah. we've got our first lesson, which is be humble and listen to other people. Be humble <laughs> and listen, particularly <laughs> to feedback. Yeah. Particularly if it's bad feedback. Yeah. Yes. And from your customers, you know, listen to your customers mm. first mm. and foremost. Um, I think that's a great segue because you've gone from the smartphone and I'm skipping like a decade here. <laughs> uh, so feel free to tell me if there's other mm-hmm. big milestones that happened. I'm sure there were heaps, but then you've mm-hmm. gone as far as I know into the next sexiest thing after a smartphone accounting software. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, did it happen that way? Or was there other things that happened between? Yeah, was my, my next project after the iPhone was um, Beastie Boys. Like they were my, so I went off and did my own, built my own company. Mm. And um, Beastie Boys were my first client, my first customer. Oh. And so that was a pretty amazing experience. <laughs> and, and lots of lessons out of that one too. Um, <laughs> what were you doing with them? Like managing them or? or no, no, uh, no. <laughs> um, so it was the era of CD-ROMs were the new advanced technology. And um, you probably maybe have seen a CD-ROM. <laughs> we're, we're familiar. Like, we're we're yeah. children of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, so this was like advanced technology. And so, you know, um, and, and we were working with Apple on some some of this and doing some QuickTime VR. So we were, you know, the first people to ever use um, 3D surround video. Mm. And, um, and we did that with the Beastie Boys. And so we basically were fans and we said, look, we'd like to put together the CD-ROM. And it has, we want to raid the vaults, get into all your, you know, unreleased uh, songs videos, you know, home movies, uh, live footage, just everything, a fan collection. Um, and so that's what we did. We put it together, 
was pretty amazing and went on tour with them. Wow. And then we were going to release it as a product and then it just went to shit. <sighs> um, <laughs> It was, you know, it was a, a lesson from the music industry, like, um, you know, lesson uh, 4080 music people are uh, music industry. People are shady. Mm. Um, you know, it's it was just a very hard lesson about the music industry. And because up to that point, we actually had really great experience and we we're doing, you know, it was really incredibly groundbreaking work mm. again. Thing, you know, so this is. Video on computers at the time was absolutely unheard of. You know, mm. it was, it's uh, word processing was, you know, pretty exotic that I can type and I can see it on the screen. <laughs> and it's like a piece of paper. Um, and then all of a sudden have video on a computer um, and, and, you know, music blasting out of the, the speakers was absolutely incredible. And so, like, there was, you know, basically that's all become YouTube mm. and you know, that kind of technology, you know, we were kind of inventing that at the time. And uh, wow. so then, yeah, so I, you know, worked with a bunch of Silicon Valley tech companies and, you know, still somehow ended up working for music for bands and whatnot. <laughs> also, <laughs> this sounds like a complete, um, like, hey, I'm a fan of this band. I'm going to somehow convince them <laughs> To yeah. give me access to all of their back catalog of uh, of videos and behind the scenes content, and go on tour and take me on tour, yeah. <laughs> and oh no, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so that was an interesting uh, lesson about like mm. I never really considered that a failure. Yeah, mm. you know, like people talk about um, like that to me was a huge success that project, but it's only like decades later when I look back on it that you know somebody could look at that as a failure mm. um, and that, in you know, so like I didn't make my millions out of that. Mm. It, you know, if, if, if money was the only way that you were going to get success, yeah. um, then, then I didn't, that didn't succeed. And so, you know, if you fast forward to zero, you know, that made good money. And mm. so, you know, that's a wild success mm. is that, you know, were the things, everything else that came before it a failure, not, and you know, that's never how I looked at it. Yeah. But, you know, under certain, you know, people's view, it, it could have been seen that way. Hmm. And so, yeah, I worked, worked with a lot of, you know, tech companies and then, yeah, ended up moving to New Zealand. And um, What made you head down there? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tough question. <laughs> yes. I mean, we just had our first child. Yeah. Um, we were living in the Bay Area, and then all of a sudden, so our you know values all of a sudden shifted. Mm. Columbine had just happened. Uh, um, George Bush just happened, mm. um, and we were just like, yeah, I don't want to raise a kid where like the schools we were. A people were telling us your kids um, still in nappies, but you need to enroll them now in school because mm. that's how the system works here, and you have to get you have to move into the right neighborhood. You know, it's just all this. And, and therefore, you have to commute this hellish commute. And it just felt like this is not made for the way I want to live. Mm. And, you know, if, and my kid has to go to a school that you have to go through metal detectors. Um, you know, that is just not uh, the, the way I want to live. It was values um, and, based then. Yeah. Yeah. The way I want to raise kids. And mm. so we looked you know, where else could we live? Um, and that, you know, had had the things that we were looking for. We ended up going to Vancouver, um, and Vancouver, we loved Vancouver, loved yes. it. 
but there was no tech industry there, mm-hmm. and um, which was a bummer because we loved it. And <laughs> but we did meet. You know, the only tech people we found were this couple, um, and they were really awesome. And they showed us around, and uh, we had a great time with them. And then a few years later, so we ended up moving to New Zealand. We found New Zealand um, and uh, fell in love with it. And then a uh, couple of years after that, that couple from Vancouver created some software, and I was a beta user of it. And um, it was called Flickr, which was one of the first um, you know, social networks, really. Mm-hmm. And it was the predecessor to you know Instagram. It was a photo sharing platform that absolutely changed the industry. Hmm. And um, so, you know, that really lit me up when I saw that and that they were able to build that and deliver that over the internet. It felt like, okay, you can do software and do high quality software now online. Hmm. And so that's when I got the itch of, you know, I was working on, you know, really awesome projects for awesome clients some of them were awesome. Some of them were from hell. <laughs> and I was, I was getting at that point. It just hit a nerve at that point. I, the the clients I was working with were actually their government clients, and mm. just, you know, driving me insane and <laughs> uh, making me miserable. And so I was like, now nah, I'm I'm done with this, and now I can actually build a business, you know, on the internet, um, build an online platform. And so I put together a concept, um, was working on like, uh, you know, a, a concept around education um, that, you know, I eventually in, ended up investing in a company that did exactly what I was wanting to do. Mm. So I went around and at the time in New Zealand, you know, startups were not really a thing. Trade Me was, you know, the kind of the one and only poster child mm. startup. And, you know, they... Other, other than that, there really weren't any online businesses. A lot of IT and government IT kind yes, of yep. uh, businesses. And so I was, you know, trying to figure out how am I going to build this and do this. Mm. And I came across this blogger that um, was just resonated with me, um, just was saying everything I was thinking about startups, about business, um, about technology. And so I reached out to him and I said, you know, I'd love to talk to you. I have this idea for a company. Um, so we met for lunch and we hit it off. Uh, we were finishing each other's sentences. It was just like, amazing, you know, kind of uh, moment. And so then um, he said, yeah, so I'll, I'll you know, I, I only do B2B stuff. Um, I don't do, you know, consumer stuff, but I'll help you. So, um, you know, Let's you work on a pitch like that we can shop around to investors and then uh, and I can help you with that and let's meet again. So we met again and he said he, he saw my pitch and he's like, yeah, this is fantastic. Okay, cool. Now I have a pitch for you. What <laughs> 2.0 accounting. What do you think? Oh, and I, I was like, guess. I was I you know I immediately I I could see that 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 clicked with me because I was looking at doing a startup. And the one thing that was really daunting me was managing the finances. Mm. You know, I'd work with, you know, kind of the desktop software, QuickBooks and MYOB and just, you know, knew the pain and suffering that was involved in that. And then anything beyond that was more pain and suffering. Plus 
you know, you have to, you know, give a kidney and, and um, <laughs> other body parts to pay for it. <laughs> and, um, and, they, and it's just, you know, it, it's software that kind of ruins your life. And I felt, <laughs> okay, cool. I'll do this for, you know, two years and then get this off the ground. And then I can go off and do the startup that I really want to do. And um, so that was Rod that, yep. you know, wow. was this blogger mm. and um, pitched me this idea of Web 2.0 counting. And yeah, so that was, that was, you know, when, when it's, you know, he, and he'd already been percolating on it. He, you know, Hamish, his accountant and him had been kind of kicking it around for a few years as an idea. And he had just, I think it was that week or maybe like uh, that was within a few days, a few weeks of him selling Aftermail. So he was, you know, immediately looking for his next move and, mm. and, was pretty set on doing this accounting thing. So yeah, that's how that, uh, how I got involved in that. Amazing timing really, isn't it? I, just, I mean, you're sort of, but amazing that, you, that you're just reading a blog uh, of some guy and you're like, Oh, that resonates. I should reach out. Uh, I've got some ideas. We should have a chat. And he turns around and says, I've got this another idea. And suddenly, you know, if you think where zero is today, uh, it's just crazy to think that's how it started. It's mind blowing. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, that definitely is another lesson for me that's been throughout my life has been, you know, if you're going to do something, try, you know, go for the thing that you, you know, dream of your fantasy come true. What mm. would that be? Start with that. So, um, you know, when I was looking to do this internship out of university, mm. um, my two companies that I wanted to work for desperately were Apple and Sony. Um, and then I, you know, my brother told me about this company called General Magic, which was Apple and Sony and a bunch of other companies mm. all put together. And so that was amazing. And, and it happened. And then the Beastie Boys, same thing. You know, I tried a couple other things. I went to record companies. They all turned me down. And then I emailed this kid that built a fan website for them. And he, you know, he was actually in touch with them. And mm. that's how that happened. And so it is just kind of wow. like going for the thing that you, you know, desperately want to do rather than, I, th I just feel, I just see so many people settling and just, you know, or starting small or starting little and mm. just the way I operate, my mind works is just like, start with the thing that you want to do the most. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's like the opposite of procrastinating basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, so on the front foot. And uh, I, I suppose like, do you, that must be, that's a really interesting combo because you were in like a design school. Um, mm. So that's very detail oriented, but mm. to think of the big picture fantasy to me anyway, when I think about big picture fantasies, mm. I really need to try and remove the details because otherwise mm. it's just so overwhelming. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's an interesting combo you you've got there. Yeah. And it, I mean, that, that like that kind of the idea of a, an iPhone was at the time I was traveling a lot and it was just what is this thing that I want in my world? And like I mm. at the time I had a Walkman and had, you know, how do you carry all these cassettes with you? It's really cumbersome and annoying. <laughs> and, you know, again, you can only listen to a certain amount. And so I just want I want this music just to be on a device. And, you know, that's it. It just comes out of the sky. Mm. And um and allowing yourself to make that leap of like, this is going to happen. This mm. is, this is kind of inevitable. Wow. And I think it was a similar thing with zero that, um, you could see how 
trash the existing incumbent platforms were. Um, and they were just, um, they, they were, they they were successful because of their success that they, you know, they just became big monolithic businesses that they could, um, uh, you know, squash the competition. And we definitely got a lot of that when we started out was who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) NYOB into Mm. it, uh, Sage, you're insane, right? Like, (laughs) What are you thinking? And it, it was just this mindset. No, they're, what they're doing is just not good enough. Yeah. And, you know, we are very comfortable and confident that we can deliver something that is much, much more useful and impactful for people that, you know, are really, you could see the struggle that people go through and like, that's just not okay. Mm. So uh, I, I want to get into uh, Upstock and, and go through that journey thing, but, but, through your time at zero, let's kind of fast forward through that. What are some of the lessons you feel like you learned in that time, you know, equivalent to what we're talking about with your earlier experiences? What are some of the lessons that you've taken from that? And now you're moving into Upstock. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost is that my belief in design being, you know, the, the, the agent of transformation and so true. Zero. Mm. Yeah. And, but it wasn't an automatic thing when we started it and not even after, even after we started, even after we had success with design, it was actually still a constant shit fight to beat this mentality out of people that technology is what people want. Technology is how we, you know, get market share and, you know, technology, just throw technology, make a technology solution. And I kept saying, people hate technology. Mm-hmm. Technology is awful, awful stuff. Um, what people want is the technology to be invisible. I don't want to have to think about technology. You know, the classic is like a VCR and how do you turn on? You still, we have these fucking remotes. <laughs> They're like That's technology and that's how people, an engineer thinks about technology and like there's buttons for everything. You have a button for every possible thing you could do and yeah. no, no, no. I want literally a light switch. I want one button. Mm. And I have the entire electrical grid at my fingertips and I can flick it on and I don't know how need to know how incandescent lights work. I don't need to know how the electric grid works. I just push a button and magic happens. Mm. And um, so that definitely, you know, was enormous competitive advantage, uh, you know, a primary competitive advantage of zero. And we've obviously taken that. And, and so I still have a chip on my shoulder about proving that, that that is you know, a defining competitive advantage. And I feel mm-hmm. like with zero, you know, I, I didn't get to fulfill that completely that, that, you know, there was still this, a lot of an engineering mindset and, mm-hmm. you know, that I, that, that I had to battle against. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been really amazing to now, you know, um, be surrounded by people that absolutely all understand it, all support it. And, um, you know, are are aligned uh, mm-hmm. around design being this you know key transformation agent for and 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 a way of acquiring customers and um, uh, building software that's magic and building experiences that you know transform people's lives. I think um, that's that's pretty cool because Upstock really is about redesigning uh, distribution channels, right? I mean. Yes. At, at the yep. core of it. So yeah. So you, Great you, way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So you, 
So with Zero, you're redesigning the way people do their accounting. But this is about redesigning whole distribution channels of food and consumption, um, which is really interesting. So yeah. So what what piqued your interest in this idea? Before you got one correction. To me, Zero was never about rethinking accounting. It was about how you do business, yes. and that was the problem with accounting up until then. That accounting software was made for paying the IRD. Yes. was made for filing taxes. And we were like, this is insane. Accounting software should be made for small businesses and all the taxes are a byproduct of just running a business. Yes. So that was kind of the thesis there. And yeah. yes, so, sorry, go ahead. Great correction. Tim, t- Tim stuck in the past. Sorry, Philip. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about him. Uh, let's move on to you Upstock. You can't see though, it on yeah. the camera right now. I've got a little mild poster over there. So yeah. that's that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so, so what, what got you interested in this idea then? So obviously this has come to you uh, from, yes, it's, yeah. it's not an area you were previously working in. No, not at all. And so after I left Zero, I was um, working with a bunch of the companies, a bunch of startups, um, a, an investor in some, an advisor to some, and a full gamut. So, you know, early stage, very, very early stage startups. And then, you know, big companies like, or big, you know, big startups, I'd say, mm. um, scale ups like deputy. And then, um, and I was really enjoying that. Uh, but that, you know, I was also, it was kind of like having clients again. I was really mm. frustrated. You'd give them advice and you'd see them come back to you the next week and say, I have this problem. It's like, that's the same problem we talked about. <laughs> we, we wouldn't know anything about that. With our clients, so. <laughs> uh. so, uh, you know, um, a friend of mine runs a, uh, owns and runs a, um, fizzy drink company called Fox and Fizz. And it's an iconic Kiwi, uh, brand. And so I was, uh, you know, I was somewhat surprised when he said, Hey, I'm building some software. And I was like, okay, interesting. <laughs> Tell me. And, um, he explained it to me that, you know, he, he has his, um, soft drinks manufacturing and distribution, and he gets orders from all his wholesale buyers through random ways, to, you know, so phone calls, some text, some DM, some, Mm. Um, he literally kept a fax machine cause there was one customer, an important customer that insisted on faxing in orders. Oh my God. Um, and it was a nightmare and it was really draining the, you know, the, the, their time and effort and money. And so it caused endless amounts of mistakes and screw ups. So it was putting a lot of strain in the relationships with their customers as well. Um, and so he felt like, you know, that software could really improve things. And so he, he hired a development agency um, to, you know, help him build some software. He got it um, going and he, you know, it was working for his business and it transformed his business. And then he saw his customers were saying, hey, how can I use this? I, I'd like some of this. <laughs> and so that's when he came to me and he was like, I think I'm onto something here. What do you think? Hmm. And when he approached me about it, I felt like, well, this is basically transactional software that are very, very solved. You know, it's ubiquitous. Hmm. Uh, it's everywhere. And it's it's solved really, really well. Um, so I was a bit surprised. I thought, well, you just haven't found the right software. You haven't looked in the right places. Hmm. So I looked and I was shocked that there actually wasn't anything for B2B. Hmm. There, were, you know, there were kind of 
half-baked software and there was bolt-ons to, you know, like inventory systems. Mm. And that was the first, I, I was like, this feels like an inventory system problem to solve. And the interesting thing about that approach is that, in, and so this is once I delved into it, mm. um, that that actually doesn't work from an, the inventory systems um, are ha, have a vested interest or a conflict of interest, really, because A, they're primarily building inventory software, and this is just an afterthought of, you know, putting on a, a portal. Um, but then... They, it means that from a buyer's perspective, the restaurants, bars, cafes means like I have to log into your portal and your portal and your portal. They all work mm. different, different logins, and I have no single view of my orders. So I want to see where all my orders stand, um, my whole order history in one place, and that will never be possible with, with that type of approach. And then also, you know, in terms of um, building an ecosystem, well, this inventory system is, you know, competitor to this one. So they're not talk to each other and you won't be able to integrate. Mm. Um, So it became really obvious that this needs to be a platform of its own. And then the thing that really, really shocked me was, um, so, you know, I, I did kind of took my standard approach was go talk to people. I want to hear, you know, I'm, I'm giving you free therapy. Get, tell me all your problems. <laughs> and um, and so it was really, really shocking to see how antiquated the way people worked. Mm. And I, I, I just, you know, struggled to believe that it was, you know, I was seeing, you know, what I was seeing. And so I would go into, you know, a restaurant and this is still, you, you know, nine out of 10 restaurants you walk into, um, show me your suppliers, like, how do you order from suppliers? They will take you to the back office and there will be a piece of paper on the wall with scrawled handwriting that nobody can read that says, you know, um, ABC eggs, uh, uh, t- uh, call Joe. And then scrawled out, no, Amy, uh, text Amy. And only on Tuesday and Thursday, you know, so wow. just a mess. And so, you know, that's, pretty hard to um, bring on staff and it's impossible to keep track of. So, you know, one person ordered the eggs, did they? Oh no, they, it turns out they didn't. So now, you know, for breakfast yeah. tomorrow, we have eggs. That's, um, you know, that's worse than over ordering eggs, mm. under ordering sure. is disastrous. Mm. And so that just kept happening. And so there was just all these screw ups and, um, and just the amount of effort that it took them. And then on the flip side, on the supplier side, they would have, a mirror image of that list. So they would have a, a diary book, uh, you know, a day planner with every single order that they would handwrite. So they'd get a call, they'd write it down, they'd get a text, they'd write it down. And then um, they would use highlighter pens to kind of highlight which ones have been, you know, uh, picked or packed. And they would put that into a spreadsheet to figure out the delivery runs or the production runs. Um, and then they would transfer all that to zero or accounting software. And wow. so every step of the way, they're, they're manually rekeying, which means they're also screwing up every single order. There's something yeah, wow. wrong. It's mm. the wrong product, the wrong amount, the wrong address, the wrong customer. <clears throat> you, 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 you know, you go into any company wow. right now, and the majority of them are still operating that way. And it was heartbreaking. These are brands. I went to these places, and these are brands I love and that I highly respect. Um, and, and 
they're they're also making really thin margins. Mm. And so this is not helping that, you know, all the waste. And then so then you factor in this the food waste that's happening. Mm. So bakeries, you know, shipping things and that either need that then they have to do, you know, um, travel miles to replace it and pick it up and throw away, mm. you know, just just you know, insanity and it just yeah. felt like, oh, this, I know how to solve this problem. This is an easy problem to solve. And it became immediately obvious that there's no way this isn't going digital. Like, again, it was like kind of that iPhone. I know yeah. this is going to happen 100%. Um, and then the other thing was that um, there's this network of trading partners there that, um, you know, we can immediately start helping them and, and sure. grow a business that way. And that this, this is a global, we, we quickly, you know, discovered this is a massive global problem. And, uh, and it's not just food service, you know, that was the other thing that we tested immediately. So the woman, um, the hair salon I was going to, she runs this amazing operation. She has an online business selling hair care products and, hmm. and vibrators and other things <laughs> that I didn't know go together. <laughs> and, uh, a fantastic business. And um, I was always really impressed by the way she ran it. And so I asked her, show me, show me how you run it. And the, the most sophisticated operator that I've ever come across. And she had a tool for everything. She had an add-on and a plug-in for everything. And they all worked seamlessly together. And then I was like, cool. So now when you go to order from your suppliers, show me how, you know, what software do you use for that? Hmm. And they're like, uh, this piece of paper, I walk over to the shelf and I write down what we need to stock, what's out of stock. And, um, and then I go ring them up and I, and I was like, uh-huh. so you have, and she's, it's not for a lack of looking like mm. that. She had looked for mm. solutions and nothing existed. So, you know, it's food service on its own is, you know, a multi-trillion dollar market opportunity. Mm. And then, you know, all of wholesale is, you know, mega trillions. All of wholesale, yeah. all of yeah, all of wholesale, and that, uh, you just sort of said something that that I was I was thinking. You know, you started this conversation saying, you know, uh, I like to think of of where we want to be, and and that's where we start, not not all the little bits that get there. So, yeah, it, all of wholesale is the goal. That's where you want to be. Then then how have you started? Um, you know, is it just getting those first few? you know, big suppliers on there. So people come and try it out or, or like, how's the growth been? How's it, what's that journey been like? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so the, um, all of wholesale has definitely been <clears throat> our, you know, on our radar, on, on, on the horizon, but you know, it's amazing, you know, realizing just the depth of just food service alone. And so we really come to the conclusion that for the time being, for, you know, the indefinite future, um, we really do want to stick to food service because, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now there's, you know, I mentioned like when we, so when we started out, I couldn't find a, you know, platform to help Matt with his problem. And now, you know, I track close to 250, actually over 250 competitors around the world. And so this is not all direct competitors, but mm. no shortage of direct competitors. Mm. Um, you know, so that that's everything from like um, inventory systems, as I mentioned. So they do a portion of this, they do a little bit mm. um, to, you know, direct competitors. And so then, you know, there are direct competitors that do, or again, I consider them more indirect who do all of wholesale. Yeah. 
And when you see that, you're, you know, you're buying, uh, you know, you're going into a marketplace uh, that has clothes and uh, bicycles and furniture and, oh, I'm going to buy my fish here too. Hmm. I, I, you know, it just doesn't really um, feel like you're getting the best experience for your needs. Hmm. So we're talking uh, like <laughs> Amazon. This is getting quite large now. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, and so they can't really um, service that particular industry um, well. So, and there, there's a lot of, um, you know, specific needs that are in food and food logistics. So batch um, tracing. So, you know, you have, uh, you have to be able to trace any particular, um, SKU or product mm. to the batch that you, um, manufactured. Mm. So if anything goes wrong, you can kind of do a recall and all those things. Yeah. So, you know, those are very specific, you know, um, to, to, uh, you know, other industries, you know, you just have a serial number and that's yes. all, you don't need this kind of special, specialty functionality of, of batch tracing. And there's, you know, plenty of other things that are specific to food service mm-hmm. it is, you know, the other thing about it is just, it's a, it's a culture, it's a particular, you know, it, it, it's its own world. Mm. And uh, we just feel like that, you know, all of wholesale is probably, you know, we, we would rather spin up another business, like use the, the platform to kind of create a new brand rather yes. than, mm. um, you know, mix, you know, our, this is an old, <laughs> old reference, mix a peanut butter with our chocolate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> an American reference that just came to my mind. <laughs> sounds delicious to me. Yeah, it does sound good. <laughs> I would like to mix yeah. those two things. But yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that oh, makes sense. That's, so, yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I guess like the other thing really is, like you said, there are some whole, I, I want to call this whole wholesale. Whole <laughs> All wholesale. wholesale. Yeah. <laughs> there are probably are some platforms sort of doing something along those lines already. But for food, like let's say a farm, a primary producer. Yeah. There is no one offering a platform for them to list their produce on to sell directly yeah. to other businesses. Yeah. This doesn't exist. Does it? I, yeah. I mean, without looking, I haven't looked, but <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, so again, there are competitors, but, and so it's interesting. Hmm. There are, then, then, you know, you look at across the, the, the landscape now, the competitive landscape, and there are platforms, particularly mm. in the U.S. The okay. U.S. is like this hyper-specialized place. Mm. So, you know, there's a specialty thing for every little micro thing you can think of. Cool. So we have competitors that are only fruit and pro, only alcohol, only meat, only this, only that. Yes. And again, that kind of works from the supplier's perspective but it doesn't work from the buyer's perspective the buyer wants to have everything in one place mm, mm, uh, so you know it is finding that right balance of you know again satisfying both sides of the marketplace mm. and it's an important thing that we also have to educate our customers around that you know they're like oh, i have a portal what's wrong with the portal and we're advanced technology and like you know we mm. know our systems we believe in efficiency and it's like yes but now think about your customer and their experience. Mm. Um, and so that that's all of a sudden when the penny drops. Mm. That's so that's so interesting. Um, what, what, what with Upstock, were some of the big hurdles 
that you overcame or have overcome so far? Yeah. So, I mean, COVID certainly was a pretty significant hurdle. Sure. Uh, mm. So we launched in January, the, the middle of January, 2020. <laughs> perfect timing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> perfect timing for a food and beverage, you know, yeah. uh, hospitality <laughs> startup, food tech. Um, and we got our first customer on immediately, like that first week. Mm. And we were just feeling like we're off to the races. This mm. is all go, go, go. And, you know, then all of a sudden you start reading these, you know, unnerving headlines. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and so then all of a sudden, it, you know, it just boof, happened so quickly. Mm. The good, you know, but actually it was a blessing in disguise for us because, you know, we were MVP state um, at that point. And so it really gave us a chance to, you know, catch up um, without kind of that pressure of being in market and having to, you know, um, and the other thing about it is that it accelerated digital adoption. So all of a sudden people were like, I need to be able to work remotely. I need to be able to run my business, you know, and not have to be physically somewhere to do that. True. Um, and, you know, so the, the interest in digital platforms became, you know, just surged. And so that was really great for us as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that, you know, like, you know, that's, kind of, I guess, That's huge. turning yeah. you know, the, those crises into opportunities. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and the other thing is that educating the market, like, so this is a new category. And so, you know, again, I had the same problem when Matt originally approached me. I was like, oh, this is e-commerce, or maybe it's inventory systems, mm. or maybe it's actually a new category. And so you have to educate, you know, we had to educate ourselves. How do we describe that? How do we you know, position that. And then how do we educate customers? Like this fits in, in this way. And this is, and they would say like, what could be simpler than making a phone call mm. <laughs> or, or sending a text? And then you have to explain, well, here's, it's not just sending a text, then it's writing it down on a piece of paper, then in a spreadsheet, then an accounting system. Yeah. And then all the screw ups along the way and how much money and time you're wasting. Mm. And then they're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're not thinking then, the whole so, picture. They're just thinking that one yeah. little step. And it is that that trick of getting that momentum, that early momentum. Like, how do you kickstart this? Mm. Um, and so you do have to bring on those initial customers who are true believers that they get it, they understand it, and they're willing to go on the journey for, with you. And that was definitely, you know, lesson learned from zero as well. Mm. It's just finding those people that are, you know, actively interested in, um, and solving these problems are aware of the problems, but then are also really interested in influencing you. Mm. Yeah. Those are the best early customers that they actually are very, you know, um, noisy and will give you lots of feedback. And again, will tell you all the things you're doing wrong. And, um, <laughs> you know, those are the, you know, it hurts the ego, but it actually, you know, helps the business. So yeah, yeah. ideal customers. I um, just want to touch back on before too, like we talked about zero and um, smartphones uh, where the magic and you clicked your fingers. That's, yeah. that's what you're going for. Do you feel like Upstock is providing that at this Absolutely. point? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. So literally just got an email today. Um, so um, one of the things that we do that's quite special is we integrate with um, supermarkets. Mm. So um, suppliers, um, you know, food service, the things that go under the umbrella of food service include hospitality, um, but they also include private hospitality, you know, which is kind of referred to as food service a lot. And so that's like 
hospitals and childcare and places where they serve food, but it's not to the public. Hmm. And then there's supermarkets and grocery is, you know, so suppliers have all of these as customers. Hmm. And um, we've just released a integration with, with Woolworths. Hmm. And so um, one of our customers explained exactly that I would have to do this with Woolworths. I would get a PO by email. I'd have to open and read every single email. Then I'd have to um, transfer that to several different systems for doing the, the manifest, for doing the, um, the pick and pack, for doing the, the warehousing. And so that all of a sudden those orders just arrive, they approve it. And they're done. Wow. Like that's so it is literally hit approve and you're done. It's the, um, so it's the light it, switch. It, just flick it. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. One button and you're done. It's that pretty is, amazing. That is pretty amazing. Before before we let you go, I've got I've got a couple of quick small things I wanted to chat to you about. Um, more to do with actually being in business yourself and, and running businesses. Uh, the first is I know you've spoken a little bit about values before um, in in businesses and, and we're quite strong that we call them vibes. Um, and so I'd love to, to hear your, your thoughts on that. But then also I read um, an article that you were, you were featured in and you were talking about the advantages of having a co-CEO and sharing that responsibility. And so Tim and I are business owners together. We have often said, that's the way to go. Yeah, we're co-CEOs of the Two Drunk Accountants podcast. We yeah, are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that quickly as well. We can start with that one. Yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, it, it is definitely, you know, a relatively new way to operate, mm. um, but it's become much more popular. Like, I think when we started out, there were a, a couple of companies that we could look to as kind of role models, um, Atlassian kind of being one of the, mm. the bigger ones. Sure. Um, and then mm. there were definitely questions about how do we, how do we, you know, who makes the decision? Unified front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how, how do you d- divide the, the, the responsibilities and mm. all of those things? And so there was, you know, definitely some nervousness about it. Mm. And, but, you know, Duncan and I had worked together very, very closely for years at Upstock. So it wasn't like we were coming into this relationship brand new. Mm. Um, so we had a well-established working relationship, high trust. And then... Um, we were very complimentary. So, you know, Duncan is very, very technical, very, very um, operationally minded. And I'm creative and, uh, you know, design and communications and, um, and, and the place where we overlap, where those two things overlap the most is product. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at product from a very technical perspective and operationalizing it. And then f- from my perspective of the user experience, um, how do we, you know, create that light switch, you know, the, the simplicity of the light switch. Yeah. Um, and so, and, but again, those were, you know, really complementary. So they work together really well. So we, we had, you know, a reasonable amount of confidence that that kind of, we, we'd had experience of seeing that work at zero mm. and we felt that we make it work at, at Upstock. And it's not without its challenges. Like the, after the first year, there definitely was tension. Mm. And, um, you know, we decided to bring in a coach mm. to help us work through that and to, you know, to figure, you know, what's going on and how can we, how can we address it? And so we did, you know, several weeks, maybe several months of coaching 
and it was absolutely transformational. It really, you know, helped us understand. It's it's sort of like marriage counseling, you know, like (laughs) this person likes to communicate this way. This person doesn't like it when you do this, you know, like, Mm. and it really, it came down to kind of work styles and communication styles. And, you know, whether we're co-CEOs or, you know, a uh, different arrangement, mm. you know, that still happens. And so we've, we've done that within the business, within you know, not just, you know, people that are paired up like the way we were, but, mm. you know, other people that are collaborating together to, you know, how can we, there's some friction here. How can we address it rather than just letting it kind of fester? Let's actually address it. And so, yeah, for Duncan and I, it really, really transformed, you know, I, I understood how he likes to work. He understands mm-hmm. how I like to work. And that we're not, you know, the key was that, you know, we were kind of getting uh, miffed that, like, he's doing that because of this. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, no, he wasn't doing that because of that. Like, I just made that up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and vice versa, the same thing. And so it's just yeah. understanding, like, that's how he likes to work. And so... We just have to be a little bit more mindful of how mm. you know mm. how how to actually collaborate better. But the That's the cool. the main advantages of that though would be that you do have um, a, a greater set of ideas and mm. thoughts, and you work through each problem from different angles to come to a, a more thought uh, thought out solution or, yes. or a more creative yes. solution to a problem that you might it, not be able to do on your own. You know, you're literally covering each other's blind spots. You can mm-hmm. see, you know, what's in back of the other person. And um, then you're also, you know, it is extremely stressful and extremely lonely mm-hmm. running a company. You just feel like all of the, you know, responsibility, you have to have all the answers and you have, and, um, you know, yeah, everyone's coming to you for everything. And so to all of a sudden be able to share that burden and know that everything isn't actually on your shoulders Mm -hmm. and that there's somebody giving you support. And then there's also that coverage, like, you know, being able to take some time off and being able to do, you know, uh, yeah, just kind of balance things out a little bit more is, is much easier. And then also, you know, in past experiences where there's a sort of authoritarian leader of the business, um, you know, it can get pretty like you're doing it my way. Um, mm-hmm. and that's all there is to it. <laughs> and, um, True. and that sometimes delivers great results and that sometimes doesn't deliver great mm-hmm. results. Yeah. And so having that, you know, shared, um, shared, shared, uh, not responsibility, but shared kind of, um, power i suppose yeah. is simple terms just gives you you know that, that you, you can't make these unilateral decisions and just kind of throw your ego around and just say no we're doing it because i said we're doing it sort of equal footing someone else yeah. on equal footing mm. that you need to balanced. yes balance yin and yang i suppose yeah exactly yeah, that's how your yin i was about, yeah, I was about to say would you say your yin yeah. or yang <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, that's cool i mean that struck a chord with with yeah definitely know, with us given yeah we run an accounting firm as yeah, co-partners uh, yep. i guess that's pretty common in the accounting industry but yeah that's uh it's pretty cool to see i should i should mention though that uh, you know i've talked about this with a number of people that are you know operating as with co-ceo structure and I thought everyone did it like we do. And it turns out not at all. So like all right. one startup I talked to, they take turns, they rotate. So one CEO runs, you know, product and sales and the something else ops. And then 
and the other person does finance and legal and yada, yada, yada. And then they, they switch and <laughs> the cognitive load of switching to me, mm. the continuity, I just really struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you just get in there. You'd be like, all right guys, I'm changing uh, everything. I'm changing it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what did he say? No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. That's totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like tag team wrestling. That's yeah. how I'm using, viewing yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's so, there's many know, different ways. Different yeah. ways. Yeah, that's interesting. And the other one is uh, just before we yeah, run very, out of time, very um, is uh, the values one. And I, I, <clears throat> I, I saw that you referred to values like an operating system for a business, yeah. which I really liked. Yeah, like that resonated with me. We call them vibes. Yeah. And obviously, a very important part of your culture and your business. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on values and when you discovered the yeah. importance of them. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. I, I don't love the word values and because it kind of is, is, is corporate speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the way I, you know, describe it is is guiding principles. That's mm. you know how we internally describe it. But values is kind of the lingua franca, so everyone understands what we mean. Yes. Um, and so when we were, you know, we were at a certain scale at zero, let's say, I think it was somewhere we were like scaling up from 300 people to 600 people within a year. And our no, is maybe the, it was actually probably the following year when we were doing 600 people to 1200 people in a year. Mm. And it was absolute insanity. Mm. Um, and so with that many people coming into the business, how do you get them up to speed quickly? Um, and so, you know, to, to help communicate our philosophy, you know, there were, there was a bunch of projects that we did. Um, so one of them was, you know, a lot of companies like to do from a brand perspective, they do these brand guides of like, you know, use this color and, mm. use, you know, these, these fonts and all that. Yeah. And that to me was useless and dumb and pointless and, um, <laughs> or minor, if anything, it's, you know, that stuff changes a lot. Yeah, um, but definitely. the, the core philosophy. So, um, I worked on our brand philosophy that, mm. you know, is just going to be perpetual and it'll get shaped and, mm. you know, evolve. And I want you, you want it to, but um, that core philosophy of explaining it uh, and that kind of evolved into, okay, now how do you distill this down into like something that every team can understand mm. um, really, really quickly. And that, and I think it, it did, you know, the, the, the danger always is that it becomes, you know, uh, kind of cheap jargon, you know, uh, and and it is almost like a um, Kool-Aid, you know, are you drinking yeah. the Kool-Aid? Yeah. You haven't used yeah. one of our values today. You haven't said one of our values today. <laughs> and so that to me is overdoing it and is, is again, it's actually, unless one of your values is to be a, a, a mindless drone, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that you do want people to be, you know, humans. And then that was actually, you know, the, the, the value I was most proud. So I was, you know, pretty central in coming up with the values and human was one that I thought we were going to get a lot of pushback. I thought people would be like, Oh, that's weird. What is that? Mm. And actually it was, it got embraced out of the gate and I was, re I was really proud. And that to me still resonates as the one that, you know, is is most special and also most you know interesting for a company like that that is you know accounting software and yeah. then, you know mm. is very technical and very kind of efficiency and new, but actually <laughs> to do, you know to make human as your value a core value is quite 
um, refreshing and, and yeah, interesting. Um, Absolutely. It, it, transformational. So, from uh, that just sorry I, to jump in there, Philip. Like, actually, as someone who's interacted with Zero a lot, that is a value that came through, like, really came through. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's um, interesting that you were behind uh, defining yeah, that one. That's, that. yeah. 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 I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, so then, you know, when I left Zero, I was advising a bunch of startups. And I said, the first thing you want to do is your values. Mm. And it is your, like, this is the shortcut to making decisions. So, you know, we took too long at zero. So we had to like fumble around and, you know, so people had to kind of figure it out on their own. And, and I mean, part of that is forming those values, but, um, you know, going back, you know, full circle to where we started, like, you know, what is that dream state? Yeah. And there's a great book, um, Derek Sivers. I can't remember the name of the book, um, okay. but he talks about, you know, that this is your, you get to invent this world. Mm. Okay. Your business is a, a universe that you get to invent. So invent the, the rules of your universe. D- do it exactly how you want to do it. I love that. Um, mm. Yeah. Anything and you want, maybe? Is that or something like that? Yes, possibly. Maybe anything that's you want. definitely one of the books. Yeah. I think that could be it. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah or no. He's also got that or yeah. how to live. No, I haven't read that yet. So that's, yeah. but that also is um, apparently love. People uh, love that. Right. I, I love that idea that, that you invent the world. So when we do strategic, you know, a business planning session with clients, the, one of the very first things we do with them is their values as well. And, and, for the same reason you're talking about, that sounds like corporate speak. It doesn't sound like something usable, mm-hmm. but but we call it vibes because it's it's no. This is meant to be a usable tool in your business it's that you can fun, give yeah, to you fun. and your team mm-hmm. to operate in a certain way, yeah. Uh, yeah. and you can have it however you want. It's up to yeah. you. So let's mm-hmm. and we spend time diving in because we think it's really important. Yeah. We've done it for our, ourselves and our team, and mm-hmm. would recommend anyone to do yeah. it. Yeah, and it, it really, it, you know, one of the things that I think it's most valuable for is hiring and, and firing. Mm, yeah. And um, that, you know, what are the, you know, what are you looking for in a hire? So again, so you're, you're trying to br- um, bring in people that will, um, that, that will align to your, mm. you know, principles, vibes, and values. Mm, yeah. And um, that, and it's not that you want, again, you know, one of ours is, um that uh, we can be um, th- that we're we're leveraging each other's differences, so mm-hmm. that that's what we absolutely look for. Yeah, um, cool. I'm, I'm blanking on the actual, you know, the the actual principle of it, the name of the print, the shortcut for it. Yeah, but yeah. basically that you know that we we're looking for uh, differences of opinion and, and new ways of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. That there is no right answer, mm-hmm. um, and so. That's actually a super important, you know, uh, uh, mindset that we that we look for when we're hiring. Yep. Um, and you know, again, firing is a really, really challenging thing. Mm. Um, and you you want to make sure you're doing it right and you're handling it well and and you're doing it for the right reasons. And because um, it can get emotional and it can get yep. complicated. Mm. And so you you really having those um, principles really helps you stay grounded and helps remind you of, you know, what, what, um, kind of the rules of engagement and, you know, that those operating rules are. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, you know, like it, it starts you on that path of like, oh, I get to invent this world. Here are the kind of the, the, the principles of this world. Mm. And, 
then all of a sudden it you know sets you on this path of like okay i can invent what i want this to be in yeah, every cool. dimension of start the start with where you want I've, yeah yeah <laughs> i've never really thought about it as like a as designing yeah. really but yeah it is isn't it yeah. it's like designing your world yeah. designing mm-hmm. the world of your team your organization how it's going to behave yeah, yeah pretty yeah. cool well and i also just love the idea that you know you can be a, a business the size of zero a startup mm-hmm. like you guys now or you can be uh, an accounting firm or you're a tradie that has a team of five it all has the same things it's you important. need values you build your world and you fill it with what yeah. you want it to be it's important at every level um well philip Thank you for coming on the podcast. We've taken up enough of your time, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, if people want to... I feel like I've um, you know, learned a few things actually by just kind of your questions. So I appreciate that. That's awesome. <laughs> Glad we could uh, help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've definitely learned a few things. I, I, I reckon I could talk to you all day about your yeah. journey. It's super fascinating to me. Yeah, so we really appreciate you coming on. If people want to go find out more about Upstock, where do they go? Yep, upstock.app, A-P-P. And um, yeah, that's obviously the easiest. And so we, it's free. So you can, you know, create an account for free if you're a buyer or supplier and try it out and you can find amazing brands um, and yeah, take it from there. Great. That's awesome. Great. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. Well. See ya. Bye.